Hi there, welcome to the podcast. Glad you could join me today. Just came through Jasper Park this morning, and I'll tell you what, uh, the sun hitting the mountaintops early in the morning is just exhilarating. It's just a tremendous shout of glory to God coming from the mountains. It's breathtaking. And it's a reminder that God has freely given us this tremendous earth and all of its resources for our good so that there needs to be no slave on the face of the earth. There's enough for everybody. And with all the work man has invested by the sweat of their brow into this world, there's no reason we can't all have a couple of acres with our own home not owing anything to anyone, raising our own food, care, you know, maybe in small communities looking after one another. One is the farmer, uh, one is the butcher, one is the candlestick maker, one is the baker. Um, we could be living such peaceful, family-oriented, wonderful, relaxing, restful lives, but it's not happening, is it? And it will never happen. There's no such thing as utopia at the hands of man. And the reason for that is that mankind is in covenant, like it or not, in covenant with Satan. A covenant is to hear, believe, and obey. And in the beginning, Adam and Eve heard what God said, and what God said was very simple. This is your place. Enjoy it, but don't eat the fruit off that tree. Stay away from that tree. Adam and Eve heard God. They believed that what God was saying was true and they obeyed God. And as long as they did that, they were walking in covenant with God. Then a new voice comes along and they hear what this serpent has to say that if they actually eat from that tree, then they will be like God. They will become gods themselves. And that's pretty exciting. So they, they broke covenant with God and the thing about covenant is there needs to be a death for the covenant to literally end. That's how you get out of covenant. It's not like a Western marriage that is purely based on convenience. It's a very strong binding thing until you don't want it anymore. Then you just change it. Uh, a covenant is very different. It's permanent. Can't be deleted. Can't be nixed. You're, you're stuck with it. And there needs to be a death to get out of that covenant. And when Adam and Eve heard, believed, and obeyed Satan, they died a spiritual death. That part of the divine within them died, and they were no longer the same as they were before. And now they've entered into covenant with Satan, but unfortunately, they can't break that covenant with Satan. They're stuck in it for as long as they live. The only death they have left is a physical, literal death out of this world, and that's how they exit this covenant. And it was that way until the time of Jesus, where a new covenant was announced, that as many as confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their hearts, that God has raised him from the dead, will be saved. If we hear the words of Jesus, and we believe that what he says is true, and we obey him, then we are in covenant with him. And this is the, it's an opportunity at eternal life, it's an opportunity to escape that old covenant. It's not about praying a prayer. It's not about church membership. It's not about being a minister or being on the board and, or how many good deeds you can do. It's about a covenant. And we have the opportunity to escape the covenant with Satan. And now in covenant with Satan, we walk after the things of the flesh. And by doing so, we uphold the covenant. We chase 
after lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, and in so doing, continue our covenant with Satan. Jesus comes along and offers a way out. We die to the flesh and walk in the Spirit. We put to death the flesh within us and walk in newness of life according to the Spirit. In so doing, break covenant with Satan. You see, we can't be married to Jesus when we're still married to Satan. It doesn't work like that. You've got to get your divorce. You've got to stop walking after the things of the flesh. Now, this is impossible to do in your own strength. And this is the wonder of the gospel that it is God who will provide you with the strength through His grace that you need to walk in covenant with Him and no longer in covenant with Satan. And this is why people look at the scriptures that uh, none is righteous, no, not one, and... Apart from him, we can do nothing. And he'll use those verses to say, you know, it's not up to us. We just live our lives. But as long as we say Jesus is our Lord, then that's all that it takes. And it's by grace through faith that you are saved, not of your own works that any man should boast. And people cling to this and say, see, it's all on Jesus. It's not on us. We don't have to worry about it. But the thing is, this is the opportunity that Jesus has given us, and the choice is still ours. Will we deny the flesh? Will we put down the flesh? And will we walk after the things of the Spirit? And that can only be done by the power of God. And this is why that moment of salvation is so important. Jesus says, don't you climb over a wall. You come over here to the gate and you talk to me. And I will tell you whether you're in or not. And this is something Billy Graham forgot in his um, altar calls, in his uh, making a decision for Christ, in his praying a prayer and you will be saved. He forgot to include that it's not up to man whether or not we're saved. It's up to God. For as many as he foreknew, he called. Foreknew means... He saw the whole scope of their lives and whether or not they would actually deny the flesh, whether or not they would actually put down the deeds of the flesh and walk in the Spirit. God isn't into dumping resources and energy and investing time and labor and passion into a dead project, a person who will never deny the flesh, who will never repent of sin and walk in holiness. So, um, it's that covenant with Satan that binds us as, as a human species to living in such a futile and hostile way where we're all slaves, we're all miserable, we're all struggling all the time, and wars will come along and sweep through us and leave us bloody rags uh, there's no such thing as a man-made utopia. It can't happen because of our covenant with Satan. The only utopia we will ever know is Jesus' millennial reign, and I'm really looking forward to that. So I want to cover a couple of news articles with you guys, share these things. Um, I told you in my last podcast, or maybe the one before, that digital ideas being rolled out as of October 2022 here in Canada don't feel like you're sitting pretty. 
south of the border in the United States. Apple is partnering with specific states right now to create their digital ID. And it's all coming about. It's all being weaved around us right now as we speak. The CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, is being fleshed out among the nations right now. They're all preparing the digital currency. They're all conspiring on the digital ID. It's all going to be ready to be dropped into place at exactly the right time. And that will undoubtedly be during Klaus Schwab's cyber attack or... Um, an economic collapse, one of these man-made catastrophes or crises will be the reason they roll out the digital currency and the digital ID all at the same time in a nice, neat package. If you want to go back to the store and buy your groceries, this is what you're going to have to do. And this is how they extinguish freedom and cause both small and great to receive a mark on their right hand or forehead And without it, they will not be able to buy or sell. Now, if you take digital ID, does that mean you took the mark of the beast? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe spending digital currency alone. There will be a what Klaus Schwab calls a social contract, what the Bible would call a covenant. There will be one that moving forward you will be expected to agree to. And you will have to give your consent whether through receiving an implant or signing a document, you will make a covenant with the New World Order. And at that point, you're sealed. Your fate is sealed. The Bible is clear on that. Any who receive the mark cannot be saved. You can't say, whoops, I didn't know. You can't say, I'm going to scrap that agreement. I'm going to tear that contract up. It's too late. Once you've taken the mark, you cannot be saved. And that's why forewarned is forearmed. We need to have our eyes wide open moving forward that we are not deceived. Jesus said that, do not be deceived. And as we'll read uh, later on in Revelation, the devil has deceived the whole world. If we have any prayer of not being deceived, it's through Christ. It's through the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see. It's the only chance we've got. Something Funny and interesting in Ukraine, the transgenders or men in dresses who are fleeing Ukraine, running to the borders, are being turned around at the borders and told, you're not women, go back and fight. So the Democrats side with the Ukraine as this example of democracy, but it's nothing like that whatsoever. Um, They have the Azov Battalion, which is blatantly, openly Nazi. They are complete Nazis. And I don't say that in the same way a Democrat would. They label Nazis as anyone who disagrees with them. This is literal Nazis. They, They literally think Hitler was a great guy and had a lot of good ideas, and they'd like to see those ideas carried out. And fighters come from UK, Germany, Switzerland, and other places to join this Azov battalion, which Putin has declared he's going to stomp out. Putin is at war with Nazis. Putin wants to stop Nazis. Putin wants to stop the uh, bioweapons labs in the Ukraine. And Putin wants to put an end to the money laundering that a lot of very devious diplomats have been using for a long time. And it's also a hub for child sex trafficking. All of these things. 
Uh, Ukraine is a very corrupt place. Zelensky, the leader, has banned all media except for his own state-owned media now. All of it is under his control completely, much like Hitler. And he has banned all political opposition, much like Hitler. He's starting to look a lot like Hitler. And this Azov battalion probably sees him as their Hitler. Uh, They are a very undemocratic, very nasty group of leaders who are willing to use their people as meat shields and human pawns in this war. They don't allow people to flee. They want people to suffer and die to create media to, for the Western consumers so that they will continue to send money, weaponry, and foreign fighters to join the cause. NATO is dumping weapons into Ukraine, fighting a proxy war with Russia, and using the Ukrainian people to do that. It's all absurd and disgusting. If Zelensky was a human being, he would just agree to Putin's terms to make Ukraine a neutral nation, a buffer between NATO nations and Russia. I think that that's acceptable. I I think that the U.S. would want Canada to remain neutral and not to allow China or Russia to bring weapons into our country and set them up along our southern border. I I think that's a reasonable thing to want. Uh, A medical doctor has come out. I want you to see this article. It's very... And I just closed the app with my news articles. Um, A medical doctor has come out warning that... I can't find the article now, but she is saying that This fall, we're going to see a catastrophic number of triple-jabbed people suffering with AIDS. And I've heard before that a segment of AIDS protein is in these injections. As crazy as that may sound, it lowers your, your body's natural immunity so that it will not kick out the vaccine. And... She has seen a massive uptick in the number of autoimmune deficiency people in her practice who are triple jabbed and said that come this fall of 2022, you're going to see a a massive escalation in people who are getting sick with AIDS. And that, I tell you, is altogether scary. What is that going to look like? And what does that mean in the grand scheme of things as Currencies are are weakening, stock markets are becoming volatile, oil reserves are becoming really stressed. Uh, Russia just had a pipeline go down due to damage, and it may be a couple of months before that comes back online. I heard we're going to see fuel um, rationing take place on the east and west coasts here in North America. That's utterly frightening. You see, diesel is required to move our goods and services around to the stores. And without diesel, we can't go into the grocery store and buy our food. And farmers can't harvest their crops. And it just could escalate and get very ugly very quickly. And this isn't even thinking about Klaus Schwab's cyber attack that he's warning us about, that Candace Owens and others have said, "Uh, we need to take this seriously. This guy was talking about Event 201, the, the uh, pandemic just months before COVID broke out. And now he's talking about a cyber attack that will make COVID look like child's play. We need to take that threat seriously. 
And I am, believe me. I have, I think my count is up to 8 or 10 solar panels. I have a small gas generator that I know won't do me good for long as fuel gets harder and harder to acquire. Um, wood heat, water filtration, stored food, and I really strongly encourage you to do the same and to be able to be self-sufficient to the best of your ability. Um, the support coming out of the West for Ukraine is overwhelming. Right now, they want more heavy sanctions on Ukraine or on Russia. They want a no-fly zone over Ukraine, which they don't realize is literally a war act. Any aircraft entering Ukrainian airspace, when it's a no-fly zone, has to be shot down. And that is going to draw NATO into a full-blown confrontation with Russia, which ends badly for everyone. This is a nuclear dystopia that we don't want any part of. The Cold War developed over many years, and the fear became deeply entrenched in the people. And that generation is mostly um, too old to be on social media, this new threat of a new Cold War is going from zero to 60 very, very rapidly, and it's becoming a, a very real problem, so much so that in Europe they're stockpiling iodine, which is a treatment for radiation, thermonuclear fallout. It jams your lymph nodes full of iodine so that they can absorb the, the uh, uranium or nuclear whatever it is in the fallout, because your lymph nodes is the only place it lingers. The rest of your body can expel it, but it will linger in the lymph nodes and cause cancer. So iodine is selling out. Do we need to buy iodine here in the West? I think we do. I think we need to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And it's just like insurance for your car. You don't buy insurance for your car because you expect to get in an accident. But if an accident happens, well, you're not totally at a loss. So, before getting into what I wanted to share with you guys today, I want to start it off um, with a qualifying verse that will kind of hold me in check because what I'm going to share with you guys may sound a little extreme, and it may be, it may actually be a little bit extreme. I may be outside the lines, outside the boundaries, and completely off in my thinking. And believe me, every man and woman I really, really respect in Christianity has been wrong on a number of points. We all get things wrong. That's human nature. So I want to qualify what I'm going to share today with this uh, passage coming out of James chapter 3. James the Just, the half-brother of Jesus, whose knees were disfigured because of his habit of constantly kneeling and praying for hours upon hours upon hours every single day. Wore his knees out so that they looked like thick pads, like animals' hooves, because he spent more time kneeling down on that stone of the temple than he did walking. And these are his words, beginning in verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? You know, I honestly think that almost everyone just naturally believes they are wise and understanding? 
let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So he's suggesting here, wisdom isn't demonstrated by how smart you sound. It's demonstrated through your behavior and your deeds. A wise person doesn't do foolish things. I like that logic. That makes sense. But if you have bitter jealousy, now James is going to go and compare jealousy or uh, wisdom from below versus wisdom from above. This is very solid teaching for us. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Ouch. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Doesn't that sound like Western society right now? Disorder and every evil thing? I, I would have to say that Western society is proliferating the wisdom from below, earthly and demonic. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, and gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unpartial, free of hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I want to qualify what I'm saying now against that scripture. Having that in mind, I'm looking at the church as a whole and our role in the end times to be the light. And I believe very firmly that that light has been hidden under a bowl. That the light is completely unseen. And that rather than shine the light upon this evil generation, this uh, wickedness and depravity that is spreading like wildfire around us, we have this mindset that we need to be nice. And that being nice to the people around us is the highest virtue. There is no greater thing. We need to be nice to everybody. It doesn't matter how horrible they treat us. We need to be nice to them. And when we're nice to them, they will see that they are evil. And, man, I, I look at the way Jesus lived his life, and he wasn't centered around niceness. He was centered around truth. And when that woman at the well said, oh, I'm not married, <laughs> Jesus wasn't nice to her, saying, oh, really? Oh, okay, have you been married in the past? And, you know, let's draw, slowly draw the truth out of her. He, he very flat-footed, stared her in the eye and said, actually, you're right, you're not married. You've been married five times, and the man you're with now isn't your husband. Boom, the truth like a slap across the face. Is that something you can see religious leaders today doing? I think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Going into the temple, having just fashioned a whip. I don't know how to fashion a whip. I don't imagine it's very difficult, but I've never done it. <laughs> he fashions a whip, and you can see his nostrils flaring, his eyes bulging, his teeth gritted as he blows open the doors and just tears that place apart, kicking tables over and chasing people out. That's not very nice, if you ask me. 
I may be wrong, but I don't think that was very nice. But he had a zeal for the house of God. You see, over and above being nice is being truthful and being honest and having a zeal for the righteousness of God. These are the great treasures of Christianity. And these treasures are being hidden under a brocade, what do you call that, quilted blanket of hypocrisy called niceness. You pull the blanket of niceness over these, these sacred gifts from God and hide them so that they don't offend anyone. The church needs to be at the forefront saying homosexuality was wrong, is wrong, and always will be wrong. Two men in love with each other is not love, it's perversion. And they together will enter the gates of hell and will spend an eternity in torment. And being nice to them just secures their position in an afterlife of horror and torment rejected of God. That's what niceness got them. Um, pedophilia. You know, they, they want to talk about minor attracted persons. Well, we may disagree, but it's important that we're nice. Why is it important that we're nice? I think it's important that we're honest. I think we need to tell them there's no such thing as a minor attracted person. And a pedophile is a monster, a human predator whose prey is innocent children. And his enemy is Jesus Christ, who is against him. And in covenant with Jesus Christ, I am your enemy as well. I do not tolerate and will not tolerate a pedophile under any circumstances. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm, I will not promise that I would not be violent with a pedophile if I was confronted with one. Um, what has ni niceness got the church wanting to be accepted and embraced by society. When we look at society as a whole, it's that wisdom from below exactly as James described, perverse and demonic, and it's spreading like wildfire. And you shouldn't be listening to a blue-collar truck driver with Asperger's to get the truth. That should be coming from these religious leaders like Joel Osteen and Joseph Prince and Benny Hinn and John Hagee and Franklin Graham, um, why are they silent? Why are they not using what God has entrusted us with? The truth, the solid bedrock of righteousness. Um, I think niceness has done us a tremendous disservice. I was on TikTok yesterday, came across a video of a girl... Uh, young woman, saying that these dirty Republicans, I forget which state it was, they made it illegal for parents to sneak their children out of the state because they're minors. They bring them to a different state to have sexual real, uh, assignment, gender reassignment. And she was quite bothered by the state having that authority to block parents from you know, destroying their children's genitalia. And I, I chimed in, I, you know, it's easier to walk away from these things, but um, I have a, a deeply seated love for truth. And having that, I hate what is deceptive and wicked and wrong. And because of that, I just can't 
remain silent. I have to go in and put my two cents in. And I've reaped all kinds of hate for that, but <laughs> that it is what it is. I told her, let me explain. We have to protect children, even from their own parents, when those parents will willingly destroy their lives. And she came back with all kinds of stuff about the separation of church and state, and it's not our place to tell others how to raise their children. And I told her, you wouldn't understand because you walk in darkness. And I assumed this person was a non-Christian at this point. And they come back at me, I don't walk in darkness. I go to church regularly, and I'm in the ministry. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, church attendance and being a part of the ministry team, this kind of soured me from church attendance because there are so many people like this who have a form of godliness but have denied the power thereof and walk in darkness. And I told her, I've told you the truth, you walk in darkness, and just left it at that. And she came back with judge not and all these verses. But I know there's no point in me going on with this with her because her eyes are shut, she can't see, her ears are closed, she can't hear. It's very very heartbreaking and very troubling, but was I wrong in what I said to her? What I said to her wasn't very nice, but is it better to be nice to her and coddle her and allow her to carry on believing what she believes, or is it better to just bluntly tell her the truth? You see, from my way of looking at it, that is her shot at redemption. If she would just listen and realize that she is walking in darkness, then maybe that stirring of the Holy Spirit would lead her to waking up and understanding that, I don't know, I don't know. I just think that us being nice has neutralized and prevented the church from fulfilling its role in this world, and especially at this time, in the end times, when the world is going to hell in a handbasket, a nice church, a neutered church, is virtually worthless. So having said that, let's go ahead and jump into Revelation chapter 12, continuing on with John's series of visions, and it's uh, beginning in verse 7, it, it takes a rather strange jump from what's going on in heaven, the, the celebration in heaven during the seventh trumpet to the war in heaven. And we have no way of knowing when exactly this war takes place, where it fits on our timeline, and it's very problematic trying to understand where exactly this war fits. So, Beginning in verse 7, And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels, waging war with the dragon. Now, J.W.'s Michael is an archangel. He's not Jesus. Sorry, guys, you're completely wrong. You can't just make stuff up. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. That's what Satan's doing right now. Deceiving the whole world. He's playing everyone like a fiddle. 
And even the woke, you know, are they truly woke? Apart from spiritual insight granted to us by the Holy Spirit, given to us, not because we're smart, not because we're wise, it's God's good pleasure to reveal these things to children and hide them from the so-called wise of this world. It's better to keep your head down and assume you know nothing and trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit than to stand up and lift your chin and say, I've got this. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Now, this particular spot in this passage right now makes me believe that Satan has been thrown down already. He was the accuser of the brethren. He stood in high places. He went in. I mean, we saw that he went into God and asked about Job. So what about Job? Like, you know, he's going to curse you if he doesn't have all of his wealth. Uh, Satan has been the accuser of the brethren for a very, very long time. But at this point, when he's thrown down, he goes to persecute Israel, which leads me to believe he has been thrown down already. Now, this, in verse 14, I believe is where the United States enters biblical prophecy in the end times. This is the United States moment in the book of Revelation. It's right here in chapter 12, verse 14. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place, her place is Jerusalem, where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And I believe that's the place that Israel has been in since its inception in 1948. It has enjoyed the protection of the United States. Apart from that protection, I don't think they would exist right now. Well, through God, they, they, God does not need the United States. But in a, in a carnal and worldly way of looking at things, it would take constant divine intervention to maintain Israel's existence. But the United States has been Big Brother watching over them. Um, and the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman. That means the serpent has sent peoples groups of people out to destroy Israel. And we have the Six Days War. And these various wars, if you read the history of them, they're shocking. They're biblical in perspective. How a little individual, very small nation stood up to multiple Arab nations at the same time and not only survived, but trounced their neighbors. Wonderful. Uh, it's like you're reading out of the pages of Scripture the way that God gave them the victory in these battles. 
so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commands of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And that's where we find ourselves living right now. We are at all-out war with Satan, with the dragon who is on the earth, who is roaming around, who is seeking those to devour, those to kill and destroy. And he is the master of the long con. If you know that term, it's a con that is set into place way in advance. A person is being conned long before they know it. And when the long con is shut, uh, you know, it's very productive. It, It has tremendous impact. And people are totally caught off guard. And I think Satan has been working in the Western churches and has a long con set up within them. It's going to lead multitudes of good, honest people who work hard and live honest lives, who, but don't know Jesus Christ personally, don't know Him as their Lord and Savior, and they will all be conned, having believed something that was not true. Um, our adversary is the totality and the sum of all evil. He delights in our failures. He laughs and revels at our suffering. He becomes positively giddy when a Christian loses faith or loses hope. Uh, This thing is just a complete monster. And he's at war with us, and we need to realize that. Um, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds. I hope you're wearing your armor today, guys. God bless you and keep you.